So she says to me, I think I, it was like the first call I ever had with her. And she said to me, Groves. And I was like, well, we don't have the report. <laughs> but that's Kelly Moore. So she goes, Groves, uh-huh. have you ever actually let a woman love you? Mm. And I was like, uh, yeah, fuck, yeah, of course I have. Right. And I was like, shit. <laughs> I got off that call and I was fucking rocked. Yeah. Because I realized I'd used the dance of unavailability. I'd dated women who were just out of relationships. I had this pattern of no one being ready yet for what I said I wanted Mm. in those recent years. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, holy shit, I haven't let a woman love me since I got heartbroken at 20, including my engagement. Welcome to Men This Way. The podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Are you doing work every week of your life that you are not aligned with? Do you resist the feedback of an intimate partner because it sucks or it hurts or you're just sure they don't know what they're talking about? And do you know how to love without losing yourself? Well, in this episode, my guest, Mark Groves, creator of the popular Instagram page, Create the Love, And I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. I first met Mark about seven or eight years ago in Los Angeles through a group of friends doing inspired work in the world. At the time, Mark was going through a massive transition in his own life, having ended both a marriage engagement to his longtime girlfriend and also his 14-year career as a well-paid pharmaceutical sales rep. He was experiencing a deeper awakening that forced him to acknowledge his choices were no longer in alignment with what he was discovering about himself. And his courageous choice to stop living out of integrity with his deeper truths, like all courageous choices, quickly flung him off the cliff into a holy shit free fall of total uncertainty and deep identity crisis. And if you've ever experienced that, as I did when I left the military at 26 with no idea where to go from there. It's all, what the hell am I supposed to do now? And who am I if I'm not my work and my relationship? Which can be really terrifying to the mind that craves certainty. But once Mark found some solid footing on his new path, which did take some years of searching and deep inquiry and the courageous willingness to stay in the unknown, his work, his presence, exploded onto the social media scene, particularly on Instagram, where he now has over a quarter million engaged readers on his popular page, Create the Love. Mark left a lasting impression on me the first time I met him. He was humble, sincere, and just easy to be around. I also found myself laughing a lot in his presence. I loved reconnecting with Mark on this episode, and again, I laughed a lot, because even as we dive deep, he brings his sense of humor with him. Mark shares a lot about his journey through leaving work he didn't love, leaving a relationship that didn't fit, and the joys and challenges he's experienced since in creating a beautiful relationship with his partner, Kylie Macbeth, another inspiring and beloved by many Instagram blogger. I'm really excited to share this raw, honest conversation full of Mark's hard-earned insights and wisdom with you. Definitely stay tuned for Mark's five key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Mark Groves, what's up, my man? What's up? I'm so excited to be on here, man. Dude, it's so good to have you here on Men This Way. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. Especially considering I saw the names you were tagging and who you were going to yeah. have. And I was like, oh, wow, to be among such great men. I, I was so... Honored. Well, you just turned 40, so... And <laughs> <laughs> hey, add, add my senior you're status. You're in the wisdom club, man. Yeah, right. It's like, well, now people might listen more because I have a few more grays and a four. Uh And I'm pretty sure our balls drop a little bit more when we hit 40. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're hitting the water in the toilet. 
really not the good kind of drop. It's but but you know, <laughs> um, but no, Mark, man, it's truly you know since I met you many years ago, I think we were both in our thirties when we met. Actually, we're, yeah, we definitely were young and stupid. Now we're aged and, and wizened. I don't know if that's the right word, but <laughs> but your sincerity, your just you know who you who I saw you to be immediately, just as a human being, just as a, as a person, as a man, has never left me. So, you know, and to see how you have grown in your business and the way that you show up and the, and the messages that you're sharing with people, man, it's, you, you've become a, a, I'm sure you were always this in, in a way, but just through, again, your expression in the world these last few years since we met, man, you've really become a powerhouse in terms of just creating the love, man. That's yeah. your, that's your brand, create the love, right? Thanks, man. That has been uh I mean, since we met, man, we met about seven years ago, probably. Hey, maybe eight. Yeah. And I mean, Create the Love wasn't even birthed yet. I was sort of on the journey of figuring out how do I take all these things I've been learning and everything I'm passionate about and, you know, put it in a container and then just learning by doing, you know, much like, you know, you were far ahead of me when I started because your writing was already so electric and you you actually said something to me that has always stuck with me with my writing and you, I asked how you write such prolific stuff all mm. the time. And you said, I always write from the edge of my truth mm. that like every time I hit publish, I'm terrified. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, but you should write that down. Cause that shit yeah. was tight. I was like, <laughs> yeah. fuck yeah. That's when I know I'm, I'm actually learning something as I'm sharing or teaching it. Yeah. Because I'm not even sure. Oh, I don't know. No one else might believe this, you know, and that, that's when you're expanding the way people yeah. think, including yourself. Including, absolutely. Yeah, I've learned so much just by writing at that edge. And, and I've realized also in writing at that edge that I, know, I wonder if you've had this experience that I've actually written something that maybe a few months or even a year or so later, I realized, oh, shit, I actually don't really believe what I just wrote, what I wrote there. <laughs> oh, man, I totally like I wrote this article that was called Maybe Life Isn't About Getting Money and Bitches. Mm-hmm. And I would never title it that now, but that was like six years ago when, you right. know, now I recognize the innate privilege and the, <laughs> the poor use of that word. Uh, but, you know, yeah, exactly. Like things I've said in videos that I'm like, oh, Lord, I would never say that now. <laughs> but it's contained on the Internet as a timestamp of my ridiculousness. It lives forever. Now, I know I'm aware that you worked 14 years as a pharmaceutical sales rep. Yes, I did. Very not as proud of it. It's weird now because I I almost like contain a bit of shame in Uh that subject. What was the turning point for you? Why did you leave that? I mean, once you wake up to how the how the world may work or how I was working, you know, I was engaged at twenty seven, and that was really like this huge wake up call to me because I realized I was creating this life that I thought I had to create versus one I wanted to create. Mm -hmm. And my work was just part of that same container. It just took more time to unfold that. So when my relationship ended and I really wanted to understand relationships, because I had already studied them from like a sales perspective, how do I manipulate behavior? How do I get people Mm -hmm. to change their choices Mm -hmm. and choose my products? I thought like, how am I so good at talking about everything but my feelings? Mm -hmm. Right, because it's not a skill set issue; it was actually something deeper. And so, why, why did you think that that was important at that time? So, I think a lot of men and I, geez, man, I, I'm a fairly full aware man, and there's a part of me that still sometimes is like, I don't want to fucking talk about my feelings. My, what, my feelings don't matter. Why do feelings <laughs> matter? How did you know that that mattered? Yeah, because when my engagement ended, which I ended with a really wonderful woman but I just didn't want to get married. Like there was something on a deeper core level that was like, you're making your life, you're going down a path that you're bringing someone with you Mm. because you're afraid. Mm. And all of a sudden, like you're afraid to end a relationship. You're afraid to be seen as a failure. You're afraid of what people will think of you because you're going to let go of someone who's great. Mm. And it was like my whole world in that betrayal, Mm -hmm. so to speak, of ending that engagement was really the first time I like stood up for myself and accepted my true essence. Mm. Like the, the voice from within that I had said, no, we should do a finance degree. Why would I study psychology? Mm. No, you can't make money doing arts. Like I stopped being an artist years before I ever got to university because it just wasn't practical. Yeah. And so, man, when that, the more I just woke up to 
needing to connect to my partner, this like ideas, because when I ended the engagement, I said to myself, how do I never get here again? How do I never get to this place where I'm so disconnected from who I am? Mm. And the first answer I got was you avoided every hard conversation. Wow. And so I made a rule. I'm going to have every hard conversation. Every conversation I don't want to have is a mandatory conversation. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was, you know, it was, it's interesting because I look back just as a male and I think like, it's fascinating how we perceive like a male decision versus a female decision. And what I mean by that is like, if a man leaves a relationship, he's seen as Peter Pan, afraid to commit, mm. you know, he's not showing up for her. And the memes on the internet share that exact mm-hmm. same sentiment. Mm-hmm. But if a woman leaves a relationship, she's seen as empowered. Mm. She's seen as fine, getting her power back. She's seen as free. And so they're just the narratives of what... Interesting. Yeah, it's a very fascinating because it's like, I mean, I mean, if we really want to look at just the way that we perceive men and women differently, look at circumcision. Like circumcision is genital mutilation hidden in science and religion. Mm-hmm. There's no science to support that it's necessary, but we do it. Mm-hmm. And so how could I work in pharma? The, the long answer is, how could I work in pharma anymore after I realized that, you know, the company, I, when I was young, I thought like, oh, this company is doing everything. It's trying to save people. It's lowering blood pressure. It's, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So you really believed in the mission for many years. Yeah. When I was young, I totally did, you know, and, and as I got more aware of my own choices and behaviors, I started to see the connection of emotional pain and the inability to even express how that's tied to wellness and and a lack of it, you know, and the research from the Harvard men's study, which now includes women is the longest running study on well-being. And it shows that your health at 80 is predicted not by your blood pressure or cholesterol, Mm -hmm. the quality of your relationships at age 50. Mm -hmm. So that tells you like how important it is for us. So when you realize this is just, you you weren't on alignment anymore in a sense with the mission. Exactly. Yeah. You just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Like I, Remember going to a, a talk from Lisa Nichols at Awesome oh, yeah. Fest where, yeah, where we, I think that's where we met originally. Yeah. Um, and she said, uh, don't just quit your job, use your job as the investor in your dream. And so that's where I started to position myself in my work, where I got them to pay for education. I got them to like, mm. you know, I, I was very blessed. My boss was like another mom. She was just amazing. Wanted to guide my future. And when I quit, I said, April 1st, I'd never been an entrepreneur. I was leaving this job where I was making insanely good money. Yeah. You know, at the end, I wasn't really working very hard. Sorry if you're listening. <laughs> and I had a car and gas and everything. Uh-huh. And I left and I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. I just heard everyone tell me that when you follow your dreams and yeah. your heart, the universe <laughs> catches you. And I was like, well, this is the ultimate act of surrender. Yeah. And the company was like, well, can you just, I said April 1st, and they said, can you just work till June? Uh-huh. I checked, and my stomach was like, mm. alarms, like, no. Yeah. And so I couldn't. At that point, I was living so much by my intuition, by my feeling, by my heart. Yeah. Because I'd sort of like started to let go of all the bullshit. And the more you let go of the bullshit of who you're pretending to be, the more connected you are to that heart sense. And you yeah. can trust it more the more you trust it. Yeah. And I find a lot like what you just said, too. I think the more you start to let go of the bullshit, in my experience, actually, for a time or a lot, maybe there's a lot of nothing to do. There's a lot of just being patient and waiting, yeah. Yeah. which is terrifying. Oh. It can be terrifying. It's that space between the beats. You know, it's like you learn that it's the most mm-hmm. delicious part. Like mm-hmm. actually surrendering and being patient is much like yeah. sitting with your partner and being in conflict and just breathing and allowing yeah. her her experience and not trying to yeah. save her from it, not trying to fix her as you're doing just to soothe your own shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so I think just all of that practice has just come full circle of everything in life. It's really uh, being in the unknown. Yeah. And I think, I think one of, one of the things that, that I, I know as a man I've have struggled with is the willingness to be in the unknown because Again, you know, loyal to logic and out, you know, wanting a certain outcome and thinking things should be a certain way and being in the unknown, letting go of, you know, and if there's men listening, I mean, I think, you know, holding on to jobs. I was in the military for, for many years and, and I got paid well. I was respected. I had 
weirdly security, you know, as a, in the military, I mean, they don't fire you and from the military, but I was miserable. I was so out of alignment with the mission uh, of that time, at least what I, how I experienced it. When I got out of the military, I literally had to do nothing. Just, I just went traveling and did nothing for a couple of years, essentially. Wow. I mean, what was that like for you when, when that, like, how would you describe? And I, I had a serious identity crisis a month after I got out of the military. I was like, I had a huge identity crisis. Did you go through that? Yeah, I cried. Yeah. Cause I was like, who am I now? Like, who am I? Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I started my work because what I realized is I had been learning a lot of stuff since I was, you know, since I had that moment of ending the engagement, I was finally really feeling mm. the, the price of my choices, mm-hmm. but I was still making bad choices. I was seeking affirmation through short sexual encounters. I was, mm-hmm. that's where I was getting my, like, you're lovable, you're choosable, you're hot, you're, you know, that feeling of like my ego just being yep. fed. But what I would do is I would recognize that when I made those choices, I, or I drank too much, I time travel, you know, black out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I recognized that I had issues with those things and I would shower, you know, the next day or that morning and I would feel shame. Mm. And it was just a moment where I was like, why are you still doing this? Like, why are you still making choices that hurt you and hurt other people potentially? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that I had been learning things, but not living them. So I made a new mm. rule and the rule was oh, yeah. that I would always I know that one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to always live at my highest level of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that became my new rule that as soon as I felt pain, I learned from it and I implemented, I obviously wasn't always perfect at it, but that again was like, if I recognized that I wasn't good at something, I would then adjust to mm-hmm. that space of alignment. And so when I started my work, it was really like, if I'm going to write about this shit, I got to live it. Mm-hmm. I knew that that would hold me into my space of accountability and integrity more than anything. So then I would write about all the shit I fucked up, all the things I learned from being mm-hmm. the way I had been. Because I didn't want one day to someone to come out with some sort of tell-all about Mark Groves. Yeah. Uh-huh. Be like, oh, this guy talks <laughs> about love. He also has yeah. a big interest in lust. So I wrote about all that. Yeah. So yeah, that space, man, you know, the unknown, that is a, if I'm in the unknown now, that's a sign that I'm expanding and I'm in the right place. That's how yeah. I sort of feel about it now. Yeah. And of course, I know you, uh, about three years ago, you brought this amazing woman into your life, Oof. Kylie Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that experience, how has that relationship kind of uh, put on steroids your, your, <laughs> your growth experience as a man? Fuck, man. In so many ways, there's nothing like a good woman or man or whatever you're into that, that, invites you to grow. And um, I think, you know, it's like when you're single, we often have our shit together. But then as soon as you get in a relationship, you realize that you haven't done the dance with another heart. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you know well what I'm talking about. Oh, man. I heard your ladies fire on my ladies podcast. And oh, yeah. Well, you said it earlier that I want to live my knowledge. Well, I've found that I don't really know if I'm living my knowledge, except in relationship to someone who's holding me accountable to, to, <laughs> to tell you like, Hey, remember that thing you said? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is like the moment I saw my, my relationship as the invitation to continue to expand me. Yeah. Then I saw her with a whole different eyes of even the feedback she was giving me was always out of love. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it. I still don't always like it. Yeah. Yeah. Liking it and knowing I need it are two different. Totally different things. Sylvie will sometimes throw one of my, something she read in a blog that I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, she'll say the exact quote and it's hysterical and I'm just left to, you know, jaw dropping. And again, like you said, though, always done with great respect and love and a lot of playfulness and a little, and with a, with just a touch of sinister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is the part that creates that tension, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, which I love. I love it. I love that she has that in her. Yeah. You know, and I think with my partnership, there was a couple things that were really powerful. I mean, there's so many, but I'd say like one was that I didn't recognize till about six to eight months before I met Kylie. I had been talking on, the, on a Skype call with uh, Kelly Marceau. Mm-hmm. Kelly Marceau, for the people listening, she's like just straight fire relationship writer, 
her article was kind of her breakthrough viral article. What was the title of that? It was like, we don't need a man. We need men like something. I forget, but it was. Or something like it was. I think I recall why I don't fuck new age guys. Oh, fuck. I haven't read. Is that one of her new? Why I don't fuck new. No, that was years ago. She's got the best titles too. She it was doesn't. ferocious. So well, Kelly Marceau. being on a call with her, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. So she says to me, I think I'd, it was like the first call I ever had with her. And she mm-hmm. said to me, Groves. And I was like, well, we don't have the report. <laughs> but that's Kelly Marceau. She goes, Groves, uh-huh. have you ever actually let a woman love you? Mm. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, of course I have. Right. And I was like, shit. <laughs> I got off that call and I was fucking rocked. Yeah. Because I realized I'd used the dance of unavailability. I'd dated women who were just out of relationships. I had this pattern of no one being ready yet for what I said I wanted Mm. in those recent years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I obviously wasn't ready too. I, you know, I can recognize the egoic nature of that statement. And then I was like, holy shit, I haven't let a woman love me since I got heartbroken at 20 including my engagement. And I was like, holy fuck. Mm. And that's when I was like, everything's been a dance away from the pain I experienced at 20, Mm. where I was so heartbroken. Mm -hmm. It was like one of the most painful experiences I've ever had in my life. And I made that mean when I love people, they hurt me. Mm -hmm. And when I love people, they lie to me, they betray me. When they love me, they lie. And so I'd found this sort of upper limit in love. And I just danced in the knowledge and charisma of the mm-hmm. ability to play safe below that. Mm-hmm. And so I made a rule. If a woman has any sign of unavailability, I'm out. I'm not pursuing it. And I also changed another one because I used to use intimacy as a way of gauging connection. But I was like, what did the wise Mark know before the 20-year-old experience? And it was use connection to determine the gateway to intimacy. Mm. And so I wasn't intimate with someone till I recognized that so pull that apart a little bit. What, what do you mean by that? Clarify that a little bit, please. So I used to have sex with a woman to determine if there was connection. Like I would use intimacy early on in the dating process, Got it. which of course took away the whole catch, tension, you know, the chase. So meaning like if there was good sexual chemistry. Yeah, then, then I would and- pursue it more, which really was a load of shit because in those experiences, I'd never pursued it more after that. You know, because I'd be like, well, there was something off. Right. Yeah, what was off was me. And so then what I did was I was like, I'm not going to be intimate with anyone till I actually know that there's a connection that's worthy of intimacy. Yeah. And what I had to do was basically like I had to get sober from sex, from yeah. intimacy, from using this as this Band-Aid for the kid who didn't want to sit in his discomfort, who yeah. felt abandoned, who felt rejected. And then I went like nine months the first time, and then I went a year. And when I met Kylie, she had been divorced like two years before. And I have to say the dance was like, through that relationship, I've learned to stand up for myself more than ever. Mm-hmm. And every time I've done it, and she's done, you know, we sort of play leapfrog, I like to say, like, mm-hmm. I invite mm-hmm. her, she invites me. But there's been these moments where they're very much like come to Jesus moments where it's like, I want this story and I want to create it with you, but I'm not going to abandon my story for you. Yeah. I remember this moment where I said to her, like, I love you no matter what you choose. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I ever meant something like that. Yeah. Like if you leave now, I will love you and support you through that decision because I never want you to feel like our relationship is a prison. Yeah. And that was the first moment that I ever actually felt unconditional love. Mm. So, man, that's, you know. Oof. Yeah, I think that's worth noting as well. You know, both you and I, we have to some degree these public personas, these public relationships even. You know, our, our, both our women are, are out there doing their own good work in the world, sharing similar, you know, we're, we're really deep in the relationship space and people look to us as examples. You know, they, they, they see... And it is, I think we both have really beautiful relationships and like what you just said, I mean, Sylvie and I many times have wondered, are we supposed to be doing this? Like, is this, because the gap that we're looking at right here seems unfucking bridgeable in a sense. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. And 
yet, and I'd love to, to hear from you, but Sylvie and I, we get help, man. We, we're both coaches. She's a therapist and we work with our own coaches and therapists because otherwise we know our own blind spots will fuck us over yeah. and send us running for the hills. What's been your experience? Exactly same. We've seen a psychotherapist together. We both do our individual work because in a lot of ways, you know, like some of the stuff is not Kai's to carry. Yeah. And so then I can go to like male coach friends or like, you know, I have a psychotherapist mm-hmm. I go to sometimes mm-hmm. and I get so many breakthroughs on my own that I can bring back to her, but it's not, I'd never want it to be her job to do that. Like yeah. you were saying about you and Sylvia as well. Like I think one of the greatest shifts I made as a person, especially as a man, was that I stopped looking for my worth in making money, providing men. And that's such a weird biological dance to navigate Mm -hmm. and observe Mm -hmm. your own heart wanting to provide and watching Mm -hmm. your partner make money. And Mm -hmm. it's just an interest because it's so biologically designed in us that I really have to observe my biology versus my mind Mm -hmm. in those, like my discomfort versus there's no reason to be uncomfortable. But I think it was shifting to putting my worth in how I show up as a human being to this planet, but also that like my relationship to her is the most sacred connection, you know, to my parents and my family and really good friends. But to her, that connection between her and I, that super highway that connects us, I have learned through our dance is the most sacred thing and everything that I do in life. You know, I have my own work and my own purpose and that, mm-hmm. and those two play a dance of compromise, of course, a beautiful one, but honoring that is the best work I've ever done. Mm. And it changes everything. Yeah. Along those lines, Mark, what would you say to the men listening out there? And I think we're, we're really hitting on some profound, almost like blowing up some myths about relationship too. And I think, uh, <laughs> You know, the, yeah, the myth that it should be easy. The myth that... Um, if it's easy, you're not doing any work. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. And, and it's also, again, that it isn't always clear whether you should stay or not. And I last year was doing some deep work on myself. I went to this psychotherapy conference and I was sitting in this shamanism means psychotherapy session. Mm. And they did this medicine wheel meditation. Never done mm-hmm. one of those. I'm sitting there doing the meditation and she's like, go to the place where you experience your greatest wound. I'm like, I know where that is. She's like, don't go where you think it is. I was like, fuck. And all of a sudden I have this vision of my mom being taken from me and I'm a baby. And I was born uh, premature, I think Mm. four or five weeks. And I was in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit for 10 days. And so I texted my dad because I knew he would reply quickly and my mm. mom would probably get emotional. So I texted my dad. You didn't text them when you were preemie. You texted <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. As a baby, I'm like, can you please pick <laughs> me up from the thing I'm 40. There's no, it, been, it wouldn't even be a fact. Um, my dad texts me back, you know, and he wants to protect me from the experience. So he's like, yeah. you know, you were born to two very loving parents and all that stuff. Thanks. Right. Yep. Thing. Yep. But he's like, yeah, you were in there for 10 days. And holy shit. I Mm. uncapped this emotional plug for like three months. I was emotional and I would cry for no reason. I joke with Kylie that I finally knew what it was like to be a woman on her period. Mm. (laughs) And she was like, yeah, you know, like (laughs) funny, not that funny. Yeah. And every time I say that people look at me the same way. Yeah. But I was so emotional and I talked to the therapist who did the, the shamanism thing. And she said to me, some pain is pre-verbal. And so you can't put words to it. So you might Mm. feel it, but you don't know how to label it. And that was my experience. But at the exact same time, I wasn't sure if Kai and I were going to stay together. Yeah. And I was going through so much. I didn't know what was what, you know, I said to her, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere, but I want to look at this. I want to understand like, are we supposed to continue? Are our stories aligned? Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to create safety around that exploration I needed to do on my own. And I kept checking in with myself because I noticed that sometimes the like anxious, panicky part of me would be like, you're creating a relationship that 
Like there was something misaligned at the time, right? And that's the communication you do to realign or not. Mm -hmm. And I remember checking in with myself and the question I would ask is, is there more to learn here? Mm -hmm. And it kept coming back from a deeper place. Yes, yes. In, In the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the ego part of me was like, you could just go to another relationship and find a woman who's wonderful and who will... It's easier. Yeah, which is always the story we have. Yeah. But man, through that experience, we went to a whole new level of relationship. Mm-hmm. Past the place where I'd been hurt before. You know, it was like all that old story from when I was 20. That was part of the grief too. Because I had to have the grief of that and the experience of that. And so, man, when we blasted through that, I have to say it was like, if it was just me talking to a friend who is moves from relationship to relationship, they would have been like, giving me the advice, like, just move forward. Like, it's not a line. She doesn't want kids at the same time. And and we had to find a way to make our stories, our stories, not each individual stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's bringing two different worlds together is fucking insanity. Yeah. Yeah. I describe it like literally two worlds colliding two like two planets colliding. And man, when you get that collision, there's going to be a lot of friction and fire and it doesn't have to be. I mean, that's sort of my experience, but I'm part Puerto Rican. So I blame it on that. <laughs> like at that fire. Like, I feel <laughs> but, like Italians say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a whole new physics that's getting created yeah. a whole new, a whole new reality. And that does not come without difficulty, without, without letting go of, of what you believe to be true before. And then on top of that, One's a man. Well, look, I'm speaking heterosexually. I just want to clarify, but I think if you still get the, whether, whether you have the same genitals or not, it doesn't matter. But in heterosexual relationships and then really in any relationship, there still is a, a like a masculine feminine collision yeah. of very different values that are coming together and trying to do this thing called intimacy. Messy, man. Even the way people define intimacy and the communication within it, you know, I sort of think of it like, Two people are coming together with two different family trees that are merging. And that, I mean, you have so much hereditary pain. You have hereditary communication issues. You know, like we'd all be foolish to say that we didn't all inherit some odd way of handling conflict that is totally (laughs) non-productive. You know, just preserves more conflict. You know, it's like that. So, so Mark, let's distill this down. What would you say then is the... I think one thing we've already said, men get support, get support and don't even wait till you're in a relationship, you know, get support to to, to discover what shit are you going to be carrying into a relationship or what shit are you, you know, did you, have you been acting out in past ones or all that stuff? I mean, get support, whether it's a coach or a therapist or, but get support, man. But Mark, what would you say is the most important Kind of insight or, or, or thing that, that men must learn if they're going to do intimate relationship well? Hmm. The most important thing a man must learn to do intimacy well. I'd say it's twofold. So it's one thing in the same. One is be open to being wrong. Like be curious about your own stuff, your own, the way you see your partner, the stories you have behind your past, but be curious you know, like when I get triggered, I'm curious because I know that there's something in being invited to be healed. Mm. And I'm being invited to build a bridge where I usually build a wall. And those don't go away. It's just what I do with triggers that changes. So I think the second part that has to go with the first part is take responsibility for your shit. Like if you can take responsibility for your side of a relationship, you can model that behavior for your partner. Yeah. And when I started to take responsibility for my shit, when I'd hear something from my partner, even previous partners would echo in my head, you know, because I hadn't taken responsibility before. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, like that girl told me this years ago and I was so stuck in my (laughs) bullshit that I thought it was her. Yeah. And that, man, I think just being curious about yourself and holding that space with compassion. I think men are really hard on themselves. Yeah. You know? There is not a very empathic experience for a man to fuck up. You know, like we're being told, be emotional, be sensitive, be blah, blah, blah. And then we become more overtly emotional and sensitive. And then we don't have boundaries around our emotion. Mm -hmm. So they do spill out in a needy, nice guy, doormat way. And no woman will trust you if it comes out that way. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and Brene Brown's research shows that when a man cries, his woman gets angry and loses trust in him. Mm. So women also need to recognize that they have these biases that are biological, mm-hmm. you know, because if you ask a woman what she wants and then minutes later you do a speed dating, they don't choose what they said they wanted, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it shows you there's a disconnect between our biology and what we know is good for us. Well, I think you said something really, really important. The, the second part, I mean, both of those parts were, were essential. But the second thing you said was really own your shit. Own your shit. I think even if you're going to cry, get angry, be upset, or even leave a relationship, own your shit leaving that relationship. Because like, I think what, what I'm hearing you say in that is, is, yeah, don't put it on. Don't put your shit on your part. It's not your partner's fault, essentially. And, oh, the first thing you said was be willing to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And these two things, one of the, uh, another guest, uh, Joshua Hathaway said something that I thought was very re- revelatory in this domain. He said, men want to be right and women want to be heard, but men confuse women wanting to be heard with women wanting to be right. Mm, I love that. And I should probably say that again, men want to be right. Women want to be heard and men confuse women wanting to be heard with wanting to be right. Mm, that's beautiful. So you... What you said there, be willing to be wrong, is so confrontational, so confronting to, <laughs> I mean, and look, some men are, are going to be more on the emotional side of, of, yeah. of, of the relationship. But I myself, and it sounds like you the same, Mark, like I tend to be much more loyal to logic. Yeah. Or logic oriented. Well, I'm like emotional. If I'm left to my own devices, I'm emotionally evasive. Right. You know, I don't want to get into vulnerable conversations to talk about my feelings, but I also have boundaries around when I don't have the space for that now. Yeah. I didn't used to. And then I would try to hold space when I didn't want to, which is not doing my partner any service. What, what does that look like for you? Because I know a lot of men, I, I myself too, have struggled with and struggle with like boundary, having our own boundaries. Again, there's a lot of talk, you know, women should have boundaries, of course, you know, but we don't talk a lot about the boundaries men need. I think what does that look like for you? Well, for me, I was, I would say that I grew up as quite a feminized man. You know, I like expressed, I was a doormat. I didn't stand up for myself. My Mm -hmm. first two girlfriends, you know, there's probably some debate if they're listening, there was some infidelity potentially on there. And, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really matter. It was even my experience at 20, like all of those things happened because I didn't have boundaries. I didn't stand up for myself. I would abandon myself for my partner to make sure she was okay. She was happy. But I started to learn that like, if you don't stand up to your partner, she's not going to believe you're going to stand up for her. Mm. You know, and that when I started to say no, or that's not okay, or the way you're being is not okay. It's amazing because there's all of a sudden this moment where your female partner, or if you're in the same sex relationship, the more feminine partner just goes, whoa, you're here. You're finally here. I can feel you. Yeah. And it's safe. Yeah. When it's spilling out in your overtly emotional stuff or you're you're too much of a doormat they don't trust you because you're not present the little kid who wants to please is present and that was me and so every time i I call them like my come to jesus moments you know where i'm like this is how what i need and this is what it looks like every time in this relationship my partner is like yes this is who i love yeah and it invites her closer she can soften more she can be a woman. She doesn't have to protect her heart as much because she trusts me with it. And so it's really a cool dance. And I think like for men, we need to recognize, and for everybody, that like there's a big difference between a wall and a boundary. A boundary is negotiable. A boundary allows you to stay connected to someone and feel protected. A wall is you're protected, but you're not connected to anyone. You know, and I think that's just a, it's a learning. You have to learn what boundaries feel like. They feel fucking great. And if you have good boundaries, your life will be bulletproof and amazing. Yeah. And it can be frightening at first, especially if you haven't had boundaries for a long time. It went against everything I ever was taught. You know, like I grew up as a young man in the 80s and 90s. So the feminist revolution, patriarchy, like a lot of my friends' moms, you know, through divorce, lost everything. And so all these sons of these mothers and the daughters want to save themselves, never depend on a man, never need a man. The sons are going, never let that happen. Take care of women, prove that we're different. Mm -hmm. And so I think in a lot of ways, I confused, I can only speak for me. I confused boundaries with being controlling. Yeah. And the last thing I ever wanted to be was controlling because I didn't want to see what I'd seen on the news. 
I didn't want to be aggressive. So I was not aggressive at all. I played sports. I could be aggressive in sports, but I couldn't be personally. Yep. I was afraid of any male aggressive energy yeah. outside of sports. I, man, I look back and I'm like, there was no one to teach me the difference between those two. You know, and that's, it's interesting too, because I think about that and I'm like, I have a really great relationship with my father and he's incredibly emotionally intelligent. You know, growing up, he's the one I would talk to about feelings mm -hmm. and things. And he, he's always been so great with that. But I don't know why I didn't learn boundaries in there. I don't think it was because of my home. I think it was just because of what I observed mm -hmm. on the news. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, one thing, the distinction that I, when I'm working with boundaries um, or even our, in our boundaries program, one of the distinctions we make is boundaries are not about controlling someone else. Boundaries are about honoring yourself. Yeah, and they're delicious. And honoring yourself, I mean, just that has the seeds of, of, a, of a delicious life, honoring yourself. Uh, but if you make it about controlling someone else, you forget about it. You're fucked and they're fucked and neither of you in the way you want to be fucked. <laughs> it is not a good experience. It's exhausting. But when you have a boundary to honor yourself, you really give the other person the freedom to show up how they're going to show up. But it just doesn't mean you're going to hang around for it. I love that distinction because that's the difference in like, I want you to stop lying. So I'm going to do these things versus in order to actually engage with me, yep. you need to be honest. So honesty is the doorway to me. If That's you right. do anything other than that, then you don't get access to this. And I think most people confuse that if you lay down a boundary, a request for a behavior, and you don't honor that boundary, you're mm -hmm. full of shit, right? Your boundaries are suggestions. And yeah. you know, there's a great quote. I don't know who said it. The only people who will have problems with your boundaries are the people who benefited from you having none. Mm, mm -hmm. But I also think that boundaries for the person in the relationship with you are actually an experience that can cause a lot of fear mm -hmm. in the person you're giving a boundary to because you're actually renegotiating the agreements that are usually unspoken yeah. in how we relate to one another. Yeah. So that always causes, you know, it's like if you've been in a relationship with your mom and she's been, you know, fucking a helicopter parent your whole life. And all of a sudden you're like, mom, I need some space. You're actually breaking an enmeshment codependency. Yeah. Well, to the person who's codependent with you, that's like their whole life is over. They're going to use everything. Like, do you know how much I've given to you? Do you know yeah. how much I've done yeah. for you? And there's so much we could talk. We could do a whole <laughs> podcast right. on boundaries. And um, the important takeaway that I want all our listeners, men and women to just understand is that men need boundaries too. Yeah, and you're not, learn them because the more you have them, the more you'll be respected because you'll respect yourself. Like boundaries are the fuel to self-worth. Boundaries are the fuel to self-worth. I like that. Yeah, like they're symbiotic in that if you say you're, it's not okay if you do this or this is what I need from you, then you're saying I care about myself. To the other person, you're saying they care about themselves. And so as you say it, like it doesn't take self-worth to have a boundary it creates self-worth by having a boundary. Yeah. yeah. And so without it, if you don't have a boundary, your self-worth will be out the window in a moment. That's why it's so, it's like a constant cycle. Yeah. And there's in the, it's particularly in the men's work world, maybe it's just California, I don't know. But in the men's work <laughs> world, there's a sort of idea or in the masculine feminine work that's out there, there's this idea that as a man, we should take it all. Hell no. Whatever is coming at me, I should be able to take it you know, a woman's emotions or, or just the, the world's chaos. I should just be able to fucking breathe into my balls and take it. <laughs> Fuck that. And one of my, one of my teachers, Steve James, actually, he was on this podcast, him and him and uh, Michaela Boehm, amazing, incredible teachers. They, 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 <laughs> they had one at a workshop I, I attended of theirs. They, um, or as a men's workshop I, I was attending of theirs. They said, you know, that's a bit like teaching a woman how to take a punch. You know, look, yeah. your partner's going to get angry and, you know, it's, it's just going to happen sometimes and we all get angry. And, and you know, if, if, he's, if he goes to throw a punch, what you need to do is just <gasps> suck in your stomach, you know, breathe in so that you can kind of absorb the fist. <laughs> like, that's insane. That's like, you know, teaching men to sort of just take what comes at you is similar insanity. We need boundaries. Boundaries are important. Absolutely. And it's almost like in that heteronormative example of like, and I think it could be true of any combination is like the person who's got that explosive behavior has always been waiting for someone to say it's not okay. Like they're looking to be 
Yeah. Well, they have to reparent themselves, but they're looking to be adjusted and corrected so that they can feel safe. Right. And so sometimes the first time they've ever heard, no, that's not okay. You do not speak to me that way. When you're ready to be respectful, I'm ready to create a really beautiful relationship with you. Till then, no. They're like, oh, Lord, what is happening here? But no one's ever loved them enough to tell them that. That's why boundaries are such an expression of love. They're saying, I care about you enough to curate how you access me. And, man, I think that idea of, like, you're just supposed to take someone yelling at you, especially a woman, no. Like, women need to be responsible for their own emotional expression. This is why I don't like the word, like, toxic masculinity. Mm. It's like if we said toxic femininity, we'd be up in arms. Mm. You know, it's like, what is toxic? I think it's more immature and undeveloped masculinity, but I think it's more human. You know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. men are more outwardly destructive when they don't mm. take care and honor themselves and learn their mm-hmm. shame. Women are tend to be more inwardly destructive. Of course, I'm genderizing. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. Genderizing. But I think those are more often true than they're not. Well, let's, um, I got one final question for you, Mark, and then we're going to go into the five key takeaways finale. All right, brother. I'm ready. Yeah. So here's the question. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing men today? And what wisdom can you offer in the face of it? Man, I think of the range of like young men to old men. I'd say that older men were totally emotionally castrated and so have no access to an emotion that they need. And then they're looked at with no opportunity to show up for their partner and they feel like failures. So I I really think that's a forgotten generation. I think for young men, the opposite is true is that they're facing a cultural narrative that is so negative about men. You know, what gets news about men is, is they're like facing this whole idea that men are bad and men are not bad. Mm. Men are wonderful, amazing, loving, kind, you know, they're, they're just like everybody. Mm. So I think that facing this idea that we should just be innately sorry, you know, that causes shame. Even the word toxic masculinity, if someone said you have toxic masculinity, you shame immediately. And then you're not going to want to turn towards it. Yeah. So I think in the face of all the things we're taught about men, one of the greatest bits of work will be still choosing to do your work and facing your shame and the things that you don't do well. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. So it's funny. I, I'm as I've you know been doing a lot of research for this podcast and and look, you know all the TEDx videos, TEDx videos out there. They're all about toxic masculinity. And you know, in this podcast, it's called Men This Way. I didn't want to take on toxic masculinity. I just wanted to have a conversation about okay, if we're missing something, well, where are we supposed to be going? What's Men This Way? Where are the wisdom teachers? So I really appreciate you saying that, man. I'm on board. I'm not a big fan. I understand the term, but I think really what's available for us men is what a great time for us to do our work. Oh, and women aren't going to save us. You know, we want them to come and be the community and make break bread for us and do. This is our time. Yeah. Like men aren't going to listen to that. Some will, but most won't. We need men who lead like this podcast who are saying like, there's a different way to be. Yeah. And you can be loving, connected, and powerful. That's actually what makes you loving and connected. You know, I think emotion is the currency of the future. Mm. And if we can learn that, if you could put your worth in how you show up and communicate, holy fuck, you'll transcend your world. You will be such an invitation to everyone else as an inspiration. Learn that. If you learn the dance of emotion and communication, you'll never have to have the same conversation over and over again with your partner. If that's one reason to not argue about the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you're talking to the men out there. Oh Lord. When I finally <laughs> learned how to yeah. give the gift yeah. and receive the gift of feeling heard and understood, that yeah. was like my world transformed because you're not talking about the same shit. That's right. That's right. Arguments don't last for years anymore. Oh, man, I think every man in here listening can be like, yeah, I'm sure women, too, are like, yeah, fuck, I know that one. <laughs> of course, because right. like the communicating, connecting at the level of emotional expression. And again, that right there is a subject for a whole nother podcast. But yeah, but we we make repairs. We repair. We repair the disconnect. And when we learn how to repair the disconnect, well, we're fucking connected. And that's all that in relationship. You have nothing if you don't have connection. In a relationship and that that like honoring the sacredness of it 
You know, there's a, a voice that comes up with me when I'm in conflict with Kai, like something will happen and I'll be, it'll be like, apologize. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, say sorry, <laughs> like you could have handled that yeah. differently. And I'm like, no. And then, yeah. <laughs> but inevitably, I know that the connective choice. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah. Have every conversation I don't want to have. That rule shows up, and it's connected to my integrity. Yeah. And so I'm like, I could have done that better. I'm really sorry. I'm tired, and and so that just that now we've built a bridge where there is a wall, mm-hmm. and now we're on a new place I've never been before. Yeah. And that is the oh, it's such a beautiful dance, and so uncomfortable. <laughs> powerful man thank you so much mark it's been amazing we're going to wrap up with the five key takeaways finale this is i designed these last five questions to just give our listeners men and women that are listening to distill things down some practical things they can walk away with and and begin to work with and again this will all be in the show notes if you're driving while you're listening you can't write this down don't worry about it just go to brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast and it'll all be there. And it's Brian with a Y. Brian with a Y. Brian with a Y. With a Y, please. It's so important. My own sister <laughs> still spells it with an I. Not okay, sister. I have a talk with her, yeah. Again, I clearly haven't repaired some disconnect because we keep having that conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's her subconscious. <laughs> like, fuck you. No, you want to I again. That thing that happened when I was 12. Yeah. <laughs> I got to repair that. All right. Five key takeaways for Nally Mark. Number one. Key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer our listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Hmm. Make staying connected to anybody, but especially your partner, the most important thing. Like we want to go and nurture ourselves and go take time to breathe. That's important. But just make sure you're always creating safety and security in your relationship with your partner. Staying connected more important than protecting your ego. Yeah, that's profound, man. And you're really speaking to, I think there's an emerging wisdom that a relationship is a reflection of we, not just me mm. or you or other, but we. I love that. And that, I think, I'll speaking for myself, man, that's been one of the most fucking hard lessons for me to learn and the most <laughs> important in terms of the quality of my life and certainly the quality of my relationship. Yeah, seeing my partner or hearing her say like, I feel so safe with you to be me. Oh, that's like, Mm. that's more important than any paycheck. (laughs) Fuck. Mm. Mm. That's where I'm like, wow, we're really creating something beautiful here. Wonderful, man. Thank you. Number two, key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead, that you would recommend our listeners to learn more about. You know, Alan Watts was actually probably one of the most... Mm profound philosophers I ever listened to during my journey of like really wanting to learn and for anyone who doesn't know him he calls himself a spiritual entertainer but he's passed I think in the late 70s early 80s but he has tons of lectures online and it's all about bringing eastern philosophy to the western world in such a consumable fun way I learned so much from him just about the presence about philosophy about what is the purpose of life and love him Cool. Alan Watts. Look him up. I know here there's a lot of YouTube videos of Alan Watts. He was an alcoholic and a womanizer. So that, that let's just put that <laughs> part aside. But. Right. Okay. Uh, number, number three, key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year. Of the last year, I would say Codependent No More by Melody Beattie. Ah, the book. That was fucking mind-blowing mm. you know interestingly too because when i read it this is that part like be willing to be wrong take responsibility for your shit as i was reading it i was like oh motherfucker i'll be in codependent oh shit <laughs> and yeah. so it was like whoa that is it, it's one of my favorites you know i was 26 years old i'm 44 now i was 26 just out of the military i had married a a French woman. I was living in Bordeaux, France. I'd married a French woman I, five weeks after meeting her. Again, out of the military, so disconnected from my emotions, couldn't feel a goddamn thing in my body. Married this woman that I didn't know. And I think four or five months into that disaster of a relationship, my best friend sent me that book, Codependent No More. <laughs> Rocked my oh, world. It's so good. I would say that that in some way even started my journey of awakening to how 
utterly dysfunctional I was when it came to intimacy and relationships. Yeah, man. When I read it, I was just like, everybody needs to read this. Yeah. It's such a good book. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Number four, key investment, Mark. In the last year, what's the best thing that you spent money on? And I'm going to keep you to under $10,000. Best thing I spent money on was for sure going to a conference just for my own personal training. So every year I choose one conference that's new to me and I go to one every year that I love. Mm, And I go to one that's new to me to try something different and to experience a different, some sort of training that I need new knowledge on. Yeah. Usually an area that I don't want to study. Mm, Interesting. What was it this year or this past year? This year it was going to the Psych Networker. That was last year. Okay. And it was amazing. It was like the Gottman, Sue Johnson, Esther Perel, Mm. Tony Robbins, Jack Mm -hmm. Kornfield, like all these people that had been, you know, they didn't know they were my mentors, but like that I had essentially stalked for so long. Yeah. It was just so fucking amazing to go to that. And this year I just invested in a whole training program with Joe Dispenza Mm. on the science of like beliefs and shifting beliefs. Okay. That's a great, I'm going to adopt that. Actually, the next question is a key practice, but I'm going to take that on as a practice because it's been a while since I've gone to, you know, I was in the workshop conference junkie forever. In the last few years, I've sort of let that kind of settle a little bit and and relationship and, and grounding and roots and home. But just hearing you say that, oh, my, I crave those kind of environments. So that's a great practice to go one that I've loved already and, and a new one that new conference or, or workshop that I feel like even didn't necessarily want to go to, but that I know there's something there for me. Oh, it's so powerful. Like it, you just meet so many people yeah. in the same area. So that's why I love it. Yeah. You know, your world gets changed by people you meet. It's fucking the best. Yeah, I've always said, well, I have not always said this, but for some time now, I've, I've understood that my best business plan is just putting myself in the same room with inspired people. Yeah, agreed. Great. Uh, last one, Mark. Key practice. Please offer a consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational that has served you well and that you would challenge our listeners to take on for just the next seven days. Meditation. Meditation to me is the best thing I've ever done. It made that moment between stimulus and response, between trigger and reaction. Mm -hmm. It took that from being a second to feeling like it's five to six seconds now. Which is huge. Huge, where all of a sudden I'm not just, I have space there now because my mind isn't filled with triggers and trauma and pain. You know, it's still there. The trigger doesn't go anywhere. It's just what you do with it that changes. So Meditation, without a doubt, best thing I've ever done. What does that look like for you? Something you would actually, to make this real for our listeners. Well, Insight Timer is a great app and they're all free and they have a seven day free training course on how to meditate. And then I just keep trying. So I'll take different subjects that I want to learn on and I'll do guided meditations on those. Mm -hmm. So like one that I'm really doing a lot is with Joe Dispenza's work, which is about Mm -hmm. taking a core belief and shifting it. Mm -hmm. So like something that is a repeated voice in your head, if you have like a critic in your head, which we all do, it's like finding what that one belief is that's tied to the criticism Mm -hmm. and then shifting it through this meditation. It's about a 45 minute meditation. Okay. But I feel like I go on another planet. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome, man. Mark, this has been fantastic, man. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're up to? Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm, I love how our worlds have brought us back together again all the time, which I'm very appreciative. So you can find me on my website, markgroves.tv, Mark with a K, I better say that, dot TV like television. And then I'm on Instagram at create the love. Uh, if you're more of a Facebook person, you can find me there. It's pretty easy under Mark Groves, Twitter, YouTube, all the things. And so that's how you find me. Awesome. And definitely check out and follow if you're on Instagram, check out Mark on Instagram. He is at create the love. I thought of one of the dumbest interview questions ever. So create the love, Mark, why not build the love? That's a good question. (laughs) That's actually a very good question. (laughs) Why not build the love? Why not build the love? 
that's for my NPRs behind the scene. <laughs> yeah, right. Later, ridiculous questions uh, that I thank God never asked, even though I just did. <laughs> create the love. Go follow market. Create the love. He is just dispensing so much beautiful wisdom there. You'll you'll also find his partner Kylie uh, through there. And um, yeah, being uh, is beautiful. That's her. Being is beautiful. And uh, Mark, man, so appreciate your presence in the world. And, and again, I'm Thank so you, glad sir. that our work is kind of bringing us back together uh, like this, man. It's wonderful. And I'm just excited to see you continue to unfold, my brother. Thanks, brother. I can't wait to have you on my podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell our listeners about your podcast real quick, too. It's called the Mark Rose Podcast. I really just took a slice from uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> and I just have all the people who have inspired me in relationship and what I've learned in my journey. So yeah, just check it out on wherever you listen to them. It, it should be there. If it isn't, tell me. <laughs> so yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. There's nothing like being able to have the opportunity to interview people like you. So I can't wait to have you on there. Awesome, brother. All right, man. Thanks, Mark. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Mark Groves. Find Mark at markgroves.tv. It's Mark with a K, groves.tv. And also find him on Instagram at createthelove. Definitely check him out there. He's doing some amazing work there. Any links, resources, books, and Mark Groves' five key takeaways will also be in the show notes for this podcast at brianreeves.com slash podcast. And if you know someone who would be served by what you just heard, please share this episode with them now. And also, please take a moment to leave a glowing review of this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Your words can make a huge difference whether another person will listen and benefit from these conversations. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. And if you'd like to explore coaching with me, whether individual or couples coaching, learn more at brianreeves.com. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. It's Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.